Hello, and welcome back to the Emerald Sports Podcast. My name is Shane Hoffman. I'm the head sports editor here at the Daily Emerald. I'm joined by my associate editor, Charlie Gearing. What's up, guys? And, as always, one of our staff writers, and this week is only Sahal. Hey, guys. Happy to be here. So, on today's episode, we'll uh, dive back into last week's game against Washington State, and we'll also look ahead to UCLA. And, as usual, we'll kind of cap it off with taking a trip around the Pac-12 conference. So, guys, the Ducks lead Pullman, a place that has given this team a lot of fits over the past five or six years with a 43-29 to win. It looked ugly early on. Uh, Moorhead showed off some aggressive play calling before the half, and then the Ducks, kind of much like they did against Stanford, really controlled the second half, you know, really on both sides of the ball. Uh, the marquee matchup, and I'll throw this to you right off the bat, Charlie, was really the quarterbacks. We had Tyler Shuck going up against the freshman, Jane Delora. What did you think of the quarterbacks? Well, yeah, my first impulse there was, you know, Shuck for the second week in a row, had some early game jitters, uh, interception early on, could have been two. Um, on the interception, it seemed like kind of a miscue between uh, him and Jalen Red. Um, Jalen Red, I think, might have slipped or, or fallen. Um, but, you know, he got lucky not having two there. Um, for sure, but Absolutely. ended up working it out after the half. Um, different quarterback, right? Um, kind of same as last week. Ended up boasting a really good stat line: 312 yards, four touchdowns. Again, in the 80s um, in rushing, yeah. second week in a row. Um, I believe, just to jump in, I believe he is the only quarterback to have thrown for 200 and rushed for 80 in their in his his team's first two starts of the season. It's pretty impressive for the young kid. It is. And it's a huge deal for the Oregon offense. I mean, especially under Moorhead, it kind of shows their ability to flex that versatility um, and multifaceted attack. The Laura, on the other hand, played really well against the Oregon secondary. 25 receptions to five different receivers. Renard Bell really sticks out, exposed the secondary on several occasions. Um, I think, you know, he had over 150 total yards by the end of the game. Um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, that, that I think the, you mentioned the rushing attack from the quarterback. The rushing attack has been kind of the reason in these second halves that they pulled these games out. Oh, and at least I know you had some thoughts on CJ Burdell. Yeah, totally. He was definitely one I watched throughout um, the entire game. Um, coming off that 100 plus rushing yard week against Stanford, he also had a really good night against the Cougs with 18 carries for 118 yards. Like I said, this is the second week in a row he's rushing for over 118 yards. He definitely runs the ball really well, which is why he caught the eye of a majority of individuals. It'll be exciting to see what he does next week and if he can hit that 100-plus yards once again. Yeah, I think the play calling was something you look at this week. We kind of got a glimpse of it against Stanford, but this offense is different. It's fun. It's aggressive. It's explosive. It's creative. Um, the, the thing that caught my eye against this game was the use of the RPOs, the run pass options. I think that's been one of Shuck's strengths early is just knowing when to pull the ball, knowing, you know, when to, when to deal it and, and when to hand it off. And you look at those fourth down conversions, you had the fourth and two early in the first quarter and then late in the third as well, where they had the defense completely guessing on the first one, they pulled the ball, two guys tackle Verdell and he dumps it down to Chris Hudson for the first down. And later in the game, they run it up the gut. Cause you know, the, the defense was kind of off back. Another place that this play calling has been impressive has been the usage of, of the running backs in the passing game on Lisa. And I know another running back kind of stuck out to you there as well. Yeah, totally. So Travis, that was one I watched as well. 
He made the most out of his seven touches that he had throughout the night with 142 total yards. He had two touchdowns, especially one of them being that 16-yard pass um, from Shuckley in the third quarter and then followed by another 71-yard pass during the fourth. Definitely two um, good plays that um, caught my eye. Yeah, and it he looked kind of just like Saquon looked in those Penn State offenses, Charlie. I know we had been talking about kind of how Moorhead – was using Saquon back in the day there. Um, just the wheel routes out of the backfield. I know Verdell has, I think, seven receptions. He had a career high five last week. And it was a guy that only had 14 all of last year. Guy only had 16 all of last year. So those guys' numbers are going up a lot. Um, Charlie, you, you mentioned it earlier with Delora and how he kind of diced up the secondary a little bit. Give me your overall thoughts on how the defense looked up there in Pullman. Yeah, you know, I think defense looked you know, they, they struggled. They definitely did. Um, they struggled to make tackles early. Um, but much like the offense, they cleaned things up after the half. Uh, Dion, McIntosh, Dion McIntosh rushed for 92 yards, um, most of which came before the, before the half. Um, but in terms of Delora, I mean, he was able to pick apart the secondary pretty well. Uh, he forced a guy like Nick Pickett into coverage a lot. Um, Nick Pickett really struggled, I thought. You know, he was getting beat, making kind of, making some mistakes. Uh, I'll, I'll throw that back to you, Shane. What did you think about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think they just, there was too many yards uh, after, after contact that they allowed to guys like McIntosh and some of these quicker um, receivers, the receivers are one thing. I think the tackling improves, but you mentioned Pickett and some of these guys back there. I mean, Pickett is getting picked on, you know, no pun intended back there. He's, he's getting picked on. They clearly missed Ferone in the first half and just his communication on the back end. Um, and then Pickett, after being burned a few times, kind of went and had some, you can call them dirty, you can call them not dirty, whatever you want to say. He got two targeting calls. One of them was official. One of them was kind of revoked. So he's going to be out for the first half next week. I can't believe I'm going to say this, Charlie and Annalisa. I think they missed Steve Stevens, a guy who mm. you know, wasn't really expected to play much. And then he had some moments in week one, didn't travel with the team along with guys like Micah Pittman. Um, but I, it, I think you need to see improvement on the back end because I think Diamador Lenore has really locked down his side of the field. I think he's only allowed like two receptions through the two weeks. Um, and, and there's young guys growing. I think that'll come. I do want to mention Noah Sewell just because he's been phenomenal. He jumps off the screen every time he's on defense. He got the start this week, which I think was well-earned. He's just so physical. He can run too. And, you know, he's going to have an even bigger role because we just found out today that Justin Flo, the other five-star freshman linebacker, is actually going to be out for the season with a torn meniscus, which is a bummer. Um, any other thoughts on the defense, guys? Yeah, I think I think he'll play a much bigger role. Like you said, Shane, he's – Noah Sewell is everywhere. Um, yeah. Last two games, he's been everywhere. Steve Stevens as well. Couldn't agree more. They did miss him. It was clear. Um, he was a guy week one, made some huge hits, was – all over the field, making yeah. passes, really making big plays. So going he just forward. seemed to be around the ball and, and whether or not that translated to coverage or what, but he was just around the ball. And I think the other thing, you look at the numbers, I think these will come back down to earth. The Ducks, you know, you know, kind of on average last season, I did some digging for my piece this week. We're allowing like about 330 yards per game this week through two weeks. It's about uh, 420. So that's going to have to come back down to earth. I think this team has strides to make if they want to be the defensive juggernaut that they were last year, no question. I think they can reach that. Um, let's move on to UCLA. This week, um, the Ducks are in Austin again. The game was originally going to be on a Friday. It got flexed back to Saturday. 
Um, Onalisa, you wrote this week, you wrote the opponent preview for UCLA, and uh, you had some thoughts on, on just how their season's going this far and kind of the approach they're taking. Yeah, totally. So obviously the one thing that's been on everyone's mind this entire season is COVID-19. It's caused different protocols, different guidelines, obviously an updated, um, revised and shortened schedule for all Pac-12 teams, um, especially with the diagnosis uh, from Chip Kelly, head coach. Um, in March, he's been taking these precautions extremely seriously, knowing how um, this can affect a team, how it can cause obviously delays in games, cancellations, etc. Um, so like I said, throughout that time, um, he started with his practices using many of his players, um, working different positions throughout training and just making sure that they could withstand possible shortages due to COVID-19. Um, so just making sure that they are prepared um, and aren't going to be quote shorthanded um, when it comes to different positions, knowing that players can step up and actually play that position well, because they have been practicing it. Um, Chip Kelly also wanted them to remain flexible and wanted to make sure the team was prepared in case this happened. Um, so just making sure that they are taking those precautions. Um, like I said, we all know how it's affected us and just making sure that we can do everything we possibly can to make sure that it doesn't is something that's been on his mind for sure. Yeah. And we've seen how many games have already been canceled around the league. UCLA is lucky, one of the lucky teams along with Oregon to have played in two games. Um, they lost a close one to Colorado in week one where they had a big comeback at the end. And Colorado looks like they could be a decent team this year. And then we had a weird game where they weren't supposed to play Cal and they get flexed to a, uh, a game against, against Cal where they really dominated. I mean, it was what, 38-10. And this is a Cal team that was supposed to be kind of one of the premier teams in the league. Not only do they score 38 points, but they hold a veteran quarterback, Chase Garbers, and that offense totally in check. Charlie, was that an unexpected outcome in your perspective? Absolutely. Um, I mean, I, I could have seen Cal maybe losing this game narrowly, right? But 34 points, that's, that's no joke. Um, I think in a lot of ways, too, Oregon is, is a bit like Cal. I mean, known to be strong defensively. Um, so I'll be, I'll be interested to see how the UCLA offense kind of puts up with them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's dive a little bit into some of the, the strengths of this UCLA team. Um, Dorian Thompson Robinson, their quarterback, a guy, a dual threat guy, much like Shuck, who's been there in that Chip Kelly system now for three years. He's gotten better every year. This year in two games, he's already got about 500 passing yards, but more importantly, he's running the ball well. He's got like seven total touchdowns through the air, and then he's run for two more. Uh, he does have some picks, but, you know, he's a guy, like I said, comparable to Shuck, and it'll be interesting to watch this kind of dual threat offense. And then much like this Oregon team, they have come some strength in the backfield. Um, Onalisa, you highlighted uh, Demetri uh, Felton as a guy who could kind of break out this week. Yeah, totally. He definitely surprised a lot of us during last week's game. Um, being a redshirt senior running back, not seeing a lot of the game until now, but he did have 25 carries with three catches and two kick returns during last week's game. This does happen to be the most touches that he's ever had in a game. And during a press conference um, post game, he did talk about that it's everything he's wanted to do for the team since he stepped foot at UCLA. Like we said, it is something that shocked a lot of us, um, but was definitely good to see. And he is a player um, that we should keep our eyes on during this week's game to see if he can produce yet again. Absolutely. And, and Charlie, you you were doing some digging and you found out that they're tight end. And I'll, I'll do the honor here. Greg Dulcich, I believe is his name, because I know we were going back and forth on the pronunciation. He's been kind of their number one option. What have you seen from Dulcich? Yeah, I mean, he's a sophomore. 
uh, only eight receptions uh, for, you know, just over a hundred yards last year total. Uh, and, you know, in stark contract to this year, he's got seven already and 200 yards through just two weeks. Um, so, you know, that's a guy that could give the ducks a lot of trouble uh, tackling. Uh, they, they, I mean, they had terrible tackling trouble early on last week. Also trouble in the secondary, like I said, Nick Pickett getting picked on. Um, you know, this is a guy that could definitely give them some trouble. So I'd watch out for him this week. Yeah, and then you look kind of just around the rest of the offense. They run this up-tempo. Um, they've got the dual threat. They've got the RPO. We know Chip Kelly. He was here at Oregon, obviously. And they've got guys at the receiver position that – can and have made plays Kyle Phillips Chase Coda um, David Njoku's little brother Charles Njoku guys like that um, so I think one of those guys could have a big game but like you said I think that tight ends definitely got to watch um, defensively uh, this team has been talked a lot about how they've got kind of a multiple front uh, both Shuck and Moorhead in press conferences were discussing you know that this defense has really been better than people expected it might be a challenge um to me they have a guy at kind of every level you look at the safety position or kind of the defensive backfield Stefan Blaylock he's racking up tackles he leads the team with 14 you know at linebacker you've got a playmaker in the middle a guy and you know Caleb Johnson he's got already two and a half sacks and interception on the season and then I'm going to struggle with his name as well but Osa Odigizua um senior in the middle kind of on that de defensive line that I think has the potential to kind of di disrupt some of this this run game we've seen from the Ducks you know he had like 10 tackles for loss last year he's not a guy that gets a lot of sacks but he definitely eats up blocks up there anyone else stand out on defense and just I guess your overall thoughts you guys I'll throw this to you and Lisa on on what this matchup could look like and maybe some places where the Ducks could take advantage or some places where the Ducks might struggle against this team I definitely think the matchup between the two quarterbacks is going to be something that we should all keep our eyes out on. Both teams do bring really good defense, um, especially with even Chip Kelly saying that this is one of the best defensive games past week that he's seen UCLA have. Um, obviously, we know how Oregon's defense is. So seeing those two match up against each other is definitely going to be something um, that we shouldn't um, overlook. And same thing, like I said, for the two quarterbacks, both bringing strengths in multiple areas, and it will definitely be see. It will definitely be cool to see um, their offenses match up. Yeah. What about you, Charlie? Yeah, I mean, Shane, you mentioned it with Blaylock. Um, they've got two other defensive backs there, uh, Knight and Lake. They they've both got over ten total tackles this year. Um, so that secondary could be dangerous. Um, yeah. <laughs> you, you think half of that is them giving up receptions and making tackles and half of that is maybe them being aggressive in the run game. So a mixed bag there for sure, Charlie. Definitely mixed bag. Yeah. Well, look, let's get some predictions in. We've talked about these offenses. We've talked about how UCLA's defense could disrupt Oregon's offense. That is, is churning. Um, Charlie, I'll start with you. Do you see this being a shootout or a a, a close game or do you see the ducks kind of rolling away in the second half? Maybe like they have in the last two weeks. Yeah. You know, I, I think that it could be close to half um, and, and probably closer than not at the end of the game, but I think ducks will pull away. Eventually it'll be 31 17 is my, my prediction. What about you, Shane? Yeah, it's been hard. This ducks team. I've got, I got pretty close last week with mine, but I'm, I'm, I'm always like kind of up in the air. You know, I, I, I trust the offense. I don't yet trust the defense. Um, and I think I've been right so far in my assessments. I'll go with 35-24, kind of similar to the past two weeks. 
Um, I think Oregon can put up points on this team because I think Oregon, quite honestly, is the most explosive offense in in, in the Pac-12 now, especially with Moorhead. Um, but again, like until this tackling gets better, they're going to be without Nick Pickett for the first half next week. Uh, Steve Stevens is still going to be out most likely. You know, I don't think Justin Flo is going to make a huge difference just because he wasn't playing much. But I, I don't trust this defense yet. So I think uh, UCLA rather could put up 24 at least maybe more maybe we see it being a shootout I know that's what Onlisa thinks yeah totally I was gonna say I think both defenses are gonna bring something and it's gonna be head-to-head matchup back and forth the entire game but I think Oregon will pull it off with just a field goal like I said and like you guys were both saying offense has been producing for Oregon extremely well but like we've been seeing with that UCLA defense I think they're gonna give them a run for their money what do you have for your score I have 35-38, Oregon. Wow. So a tight shootout down at the end. All right, quickly moving on to the rest of the Pac-12. Uh, we'll, we'll preview these games, and we've had some some uh, unlucky turnarounds in the past weeks where we've talked about games at length that have ended up being canceled. So we'll keep our fingers crossed here that none of them get canceled this week. Uh, first off, we've got number 20, USC. Uh, the, the only other pride and joy of the Pac-12 thus far, heading to Utah, 7.30 on Saturday. That's definitely a game to watch. We've also got Arizona heading up, uh, playing at Washington, uh, Cal at Oregon State, and Washington State at Stanford. Charlie, I'll start with you. What is your game to watch for this week? Two of these games really stick out to me. I think the USC-Utah game sticks out. Utah's had COVID troubles. Um, they've yes, they've, has half the league, really, at this point. Exactly. I mean, Oregon, Oregon's fortunate. UCLA's fortunate to have played two games at this point. But um, that's one that sticks out for sure. I mean, as much as, you know, Utah, unranked as they are, I think they're well coached. Um, and USC, like you said, pride, other pride and joy the Pac-12, really, at this point ranked number 20, so we'll see what they do against Utah. What's the other matchup? Uh, for me, Arizona and Washington is interesting. Washington barely escaped with a, a W last week against Oregon State, um, a game that was kind of a toss-up in a lot of ways, but you know, I think Arizona is, is actually pretty similar to Oregon State in terms of the way that they play, so that'll be an interesting matchup, I think. What about you and Lisa? I'm going to go with that USC-Utah game. Like we were all saying, they're ranked. It's going to be a good matchup. Same thing as Charlie was saying, well-coached team. It'll be interesting to see what they do. Yeah, it's hard not to look at that game. Uh, Oscar said it last week on the podcast that as, you know, Oregon Oregon fans, really, they need to be rooting for USC every week if, if Oregon fans want Oregon to have any chance in the postseason, right? Because you need to face that undefeated team in the Pac-12 championship. Has USC, excuse me, has USC looked great? Definitely not. I mean, they're pulling these out by the skin of their teeth. Um, this seems like honestly another game that that could happen. And we haven't seen this Utah team. They lost a ton of experience, both on offense last year with guys like Zach Moss, but also on defense with a ton of defensive backs. Um, so that'll be an interesting one to watch. I like, I like your, your, your point on Arizona-Washington. I'm actually going to be watching Cal, uh, Oregon State, because I want to see if Cal can bounce back, because I think Cal is a good team. I think they got unlucky last week with the situation. I want to see if Garbers can have that bounce back and if that defense is as good as we think it can be. And then Oregon State, you know, they had a, a call, a really unlucky call that didn't go their way that could have affected that game. It didn't go their way, like I said, obviously, and then they end up barely losing um, – to Washington. So that should be another one to watch. Um, But that'll do it here for us at the Emerald Sports Desk. Until next time, thanks for tuning in and take care.